Greetings and welcome to Fresh Text, a weekly podcast where a couple pastor scholars dig into a scripture passage uh, seasonally relevant based on the Revised Common Lectionary. I'm your host, John Drury. I uh, teach systematic theology and spiritual formation for Wesley Seminary at Indiana Wesleyan University. And my very special guest this week is Nathan Foster. Nathan Foster is uh, director at uh, the Renovare Center, which is a wonderful organization that uh, promotes spiritual formation and a whole range of programs and processes. And uh, I got to know Nate just under a year ago when he was on uh, campus here at the seminary doing a day of teaching with um, my seminary students in the uh, Doctorate of Ministry in Spiritual Formation that I helped co-lead. And uh, yeah, he and his uh, illustrious father, Richard Foster, were here on campus and we got to learn from them and it was a real joy. And yeah, he uh, himself hosts a podcast. Nate does uh, the Renovare podcast, which I recommend very highly. I encourage you to check that one out. Yeah. And so I wanted to have him on some time to talk about a text. And this seemed like a, a fitting text of some of the options this summer. You'll see why when we dig in, we're looking at the famous uh, Mary and Martha passage at the end of chapter 10 of Luke's gospel. So yeah, we hope you enjoy the show. The passage is uh, the Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 10, verse 38 through 42. So, do you care what? No, no, the variety is fun. So whatever you, whatever you got in front of you. The message is in front of me. Let's do that then. Oh, that'll be fun. Give it to me again, John. Uh, Luke. Luke. I said John, I misspoke. Luke chapter 10. You're you're John. 38 through 42. So the last little chunk. You'll know it. Luke 10, 48, you said? Uh, 38. 38. And just that last, just to the chapter. 38 to 42. (laughs) little section. All right. Do I just read? You ready? Yeah. Just read it. As they continued to travel, Jesus entered a village. A woman by the name of Martha welcomed him and made him feel quite at home. He had a sister, Mary, who sat before the master, hanging on every word he said. But Martha was pulled away by all she had to do in the kitchen. Later, she stepped in, interrupting them. Master, don't you care that my sister has abandoned the kitchen to me? Tell her to lend me a hand. And the master said, Martha, dear Martha, you're fussing far too much and getting yourself worked up over nothing. One thing is essential, and Mary has chosen it. It's the main course, and it won't be taken from her. Beautiful. That's good. Let me say a word of prayer, if I may. Yeah, let's do it. Holy God, we give you thanks for this day which you have made. We give you thanks for this hour uh, which we've set aside, trusting that you have sent us uh, to this time and place um, and to this text. And so we give you thanks for the opportunity to prayerfully play with the word of God. I'm going to give thanks for this moment in which you are present. 
this moment of presence between Nathan and I, in which you are, and the moment of presence that takes place now for the listener, wherever and whenever they are, for you, O oh God, are nowhere but the presence. So we give you thanks for your presence in this moment and in this hour and in this day. And we ask now that you would grant us uh, the grace that we desire and need for the task and gift set aside for this hour. Help us to see what you want us to see, to hear what you want us to see in one another and in this text and in your son, our Lord Jesus Christ, about whom this gospel tells this little story and who we trust is with us based on his promise that whenever two or three are gathered in his name, he is there in the midst of them. So Lord, reveal your son to us that he may reveal you to us as well. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Yeah. So what, uh, what jumps out at you? What, uh, what sparks your interests or stirs your heart as you see this passage? Yeah, probably the first thing is uh, Martha's rudeness, <laughs> right, 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 tenacity, <laughs> like calling out yeah. her sister in front of a guest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's almost like and, like a parent, you know. Yeah, and kind of sort of calling out Jesus for letting her do it too, right? Yeah. Implicitly, right? <laughs> rudeness yeah, is, is layered. <laughs> oh yeah, because it's like not only is my sister doing the wrong thing, you're letting her yeah be there with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think rudeness is right. I, I I I don't know like all the subtleties of first century etiquette, but this would be one of those things where I, I often joke when I'll hear people say like. Well, you know, in the first century, who you sat with really mattered. I'm like, dude, in the 21st century, who you sat with really mattered. Like, <laughs> like, like the dynamics of hospitality and of social hierarchies, these are not exclusively first century things. I mean, we, have, we may have different social codes, but there's also a lot that where you can kind of go with your intuition and just say, yeah, that's rude. I don't think that doesn't. I mean, of course, in Martha's defense, what, what Mary's doing is rude to her. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. not not only blowing off the the her responsibility from Martha's point of view, but furthermore, it's totally possible. I wouldn't put it past that like that even maybe Martha's anxious that Jesus might be offended by this. Maybe she mm-hmm. thinks like, mm-hmm. well, the women are sp- not supposed to be in the class with the boys. You know, I, I mean, it's possible that that Martha's even embarrassed too. I mean, you always wonder what other layers. It doesn't say. I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm speculating, but. Yeah, you know, often rudeness flows out of a sense of kind of righteous indignation based on a whole range of anxieties and shames. And mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, she might have been really uncomfortable. Like, look, my sister looks bad, or yeah. that. Um, if you add the gender piece, right? I mean, I don't know that culture well either, but um, for a, a, a woman to call, right? The master, <laughs> call him out like that. That that shows a level of, I guess, intimacy or comfortableness. Yeah, familiarity. 
Yeah. I don't think I could say that. Uh, or, <laughs> or it shows a sibling rivalry, right? Because it does feel like junior high kids calling the, yeah. the parent out, you know, like make yeah, them clean their room. <laughs> What's that? The- like make, make my brother clean his room. You, right, you right. Know. The triangulation is pretty mm-hmm. funny because he, she doesn't call out Mary directly. You know, doesn't just come in and whisper and say, "Hey, oh, come help me in the kitchen." It's passive aggressive. Totally, <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah, that makes the irony even more. The the, the irony of the rudeness, mm-hmm. you know, is in some ways like there might be a bunch of like codes that are being broken by Mary, but Martha's probably breaking codes in her calling out of it. Which means, at the end of the day, the hospitality codes are not what matters here. And like you say, I, th- I think there's good reason to think there might be some. Even it's funny to even call it rude because rude, the other way of calling something rude is, uh, you know, vulnerable or intimate, right? Like she's just comfortable enough with Jesus to say, this doesn't seem fair. This doesn't seem right. You know, mm-hmm. there's an honesty there, isn't there? Yeah. Which people don't often do when there's guests in their home. That's right. That's when we're usually the least. <laughs> right. I love it when someone invites me over and they don't clean their house. Right? The gift of a messy house. Yeah, because yeah, because otherwise I get this illusion that everybody has clean houses, and and then I, you know, so it's like you you give me a gift by letting me see your messy house, right? Because then I don't feel so small. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> should at least I think it'd be a good rule to just say should at least leave leave at least some mess out because you know of course the weird thing is is like I really like to have a clean house and mm. I'm not let, let me. I was going to say, I like having a clean house. And I was going to say, my wife doesn't. And that's not exactly fair. She loves having a clean house. She doesn't like cleaning. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm weird. I actually like cleaning. I could care less. I, I, I assume it's only going to last a day. It's going to be trashed again. And it's like, yeah, okay. Like, I like the routine of just the manual labor. This week. I don't know. There's something about it. I'm a, I'm a geeky, bookish person up in my head. So anything that gets me out of my head uh. into the routine of manual labor is actually kind of a place of joy. Oh. So that's a more recent discovery for me. But Good, um, good for you. <laughs> thanks. I'm always surprised. I'm always surprised when it's, I go. I did this like last week. Why do yeah, I have to oh, do this? It doesn't again? last. That's uh, <laughs> kind of the beauty of it. The, the monks talk about that a lot. Like just the power of pointless manual labor that doesn't <laughs> persist. But what's weird is like so like someone coming over is a great excuse to clean the house. You know mm-hmm, what I mean? Mm-hmm. But then like we do it, and then we're kind of embarrassed. My wife and I both are often very embarrassed that we're like. You know, our house is not always actually clean. We always, we always tell. We're always, like, we're always honest. We're like, right. I know it looks clean, but it's fake. <laughs> we literally well, just cleaned this afternoon. And we at least don't want to pretend and put on the show that it's always this way. You know, uh, even if we happen to clean, it's like, hey, having people over is a nice reason. But, uh, but sometimes I'll even, we'll get halfway through and then we'll stop and say, you know, this is good enough. Let's give the gift of a messy home. We heard a friend say that one time. Give the gift <laughs> of a messy home. Permission that gives the others. Well, you know, not to go down too big of a rabbit trail, but it is about impression management and we're trying to uh, manage others' impressions and, and even, you know what I'll do, I'll have cleaned all day and then I'll, I'll say, sorry that the house is a mess (laughs) when it's like the cleanest it's been all month, you know, (laughs) it's like that manage that impression even higher. Right. Yeah. And I feel that energy in this story. So this is not a rabbit trail for me because I've never, I don't think I've always focused on the, it's so easy to get into kind of an individualistic kind of framing of like, who's right, who's wrong, who's up, who's down in this, 
moment. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. to like zoom out and to just see like a family system in the stress of hospitality. Do you know what I mean? And like the words all say that this is about her needing help. Mm-hmm. And who knows? It may have nothing to do with that. It may have everything to do with what you just said, impression management. Like maybe it just looks wrong. You know what I mean? Maybe he, she's worried that she looks bad or that Mary looks bad or that they both look bad, you know, or that Jesus looks bad because it's going to get out that <laughs> he stayed with the wrong family. You know what I mean? Like you could see like mm-hmm. the impression management. I love to use that phrase because that's so what's going on in a hospitality context so much. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Man, I'm feeling the characters. That's why I like doing this because like so many people, I, there's some people when I talk with them about scripture, like they talk about uh, the characters in scripture, like they're real people. <laughs> and you seem to do that and you draw it out of me. <laughs> My wife does that too. I don't do that. Like it's a text, it's words. I need someone to help me remember. These are like people. <laughs> real people. I love going the uh, uh, sometimes I'll lead people through an Ignatian exercise with scripture mm-hmm. and I'll go, remember this like really, really happened. And there were, yeah. you know, smells and sights. And uh, so apparently a real incident that, uh, you know, what caught me in this in terms of, of Mary uh, or Martha is um, I wonder if she was wanting to be noticed. Huh? Yeah, you know, I'm doing stuff, and, and maybe jealous that you know I'm being ignored, and so I'm serving. But see, she wasn't really serving. She's kind of classic martyr of <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. if that's what hospitality really is about, service, then things like impression management or being noticed, they have no place. You know, I see. I see that that noticing. And of course, I mean, it's not, there's no need to rule out that there could be a little of that in Mary too, you know? Um, sure. Oh, <laughs> sure. Mm-hmm. The, I think it's important to, to perceive the heart of Jesus here and beware of, you're not doing this, but I, I have to really watch myself that I don't kind of get a good guy, bad guy narrative going. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But good. to see that it's totally possible that Mary has stumbled into the better part, not uh, out of, you know what I mean? I mean, mm-hmm. as Kierkegaard likes to say, you know, we, we all get uh, converted for the wrong reasons. Otherwise we wouldn't need converted, you know, like, I mean, like, <laughs> we always come to Christ for selfish motivations and, you know, the lifelong conversion of the Christian is, is those motivations actually being transformed, you know, but yeah, we're all running from cool. hell or trying to fit into a group or, you know, mm-hmm. um, so that, it's totally possible that, that Mary, that Martha perceives, how's that? That Martha perceives Mary as an attention seeker. Sure, sure. Because why, why else would she feel jealous if she didn't think mm-hmm. that, uh, that Christ's uh, attention is a limited good that needs to be uh, competed over? This reminds me of something I've been working on. I was reading through a gospel the other day and thought, I wonder if the disciples all got along. Like, I wonder if they went, oh, yeah, there's Peter trying to get attention again. Yeah. Oh, my. Um, and did they, they, like, knew each other's motives and, you know, buying for the attention of the teacher. And uh, so some of that may be playing out here, that both of them may be, you know. Um, but but I do love this idea that, that Jesus, you know, he calls it out. Nope. <clears throat> nope. She's doing the right thing here. Yeah. Nope. And it really strikes me that, that there's some, the call out towards Martha 
he only calls out Martha when Martha tries to interfere with Mary's choice. Right. And it's very easy for me when I read this story to accidentally think that Martha's off busy and Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you're so busy. Come sit over here. It's actually not that it's, that's her choice. It's when she tries to interfere. That's when she gets called out. And we even see, I mean, this isn't in Luke, so we want to be careful, I guess, with how we interpret this passage in light of this, but at least canonically, you see Mary and Martha show up again in, in the book of John in chapter 12, where Mary washes the feet and Martha, it says, is busy serving and mm-hmm. not busy, but serving. And you almost get the vibe like maybe she embraced it and said, no, I am called to be this servant. I can make this choice. The point is to not get in the way of, of uh, Mary's choice. You know, mm. that's the last time we see her. You almost kind of see the, maybe the growth, right? Cause that's right before Christ's death, right? Cause this is earlier. Cause it's tempting to think like Martha's doing the wrong thing. Mary's doing the right thing. And I'm more and more moving towards thinking actually everyone's doing the thing that they're choosing to do. The only problem is when one tries to interfere with the other, maybe, I don't know. Well, okay. Reading too much in, but there does seem to be a theme that, and it'd be interesting to really kind of, I'm sure people have done this, but whenever Jesus calls people out, it almost seems that it's in the context of their judging other people. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Right. Like the Pharisees and there's a sense that they're committing an offense or kind of, uh, yeah, being judgmental of others, and then Jesus kind of goes, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Wait a minute, speck." Right, and that implies like if you want to tithe on your mint, which I think is a phrase in Matthew, right, where they even tithe their mint. I just love to picture like you have a thing of mint and you're cutting it in tenths. You know, <laughs> <laughs> like even if you tithe, it, maybe that's a great act of sacrifice and faithfulness. Like the act is not the problem mm-hmm, in a way; mm-hmm. it's the self righteousness and the the measuring others by the standard, right? Yeah, it's Which the would, heart. I think confirm what you're saying. Because like what is, Jesus says is your, your righteousness should exceed that of the Pharisees and scribes, right? Mm-hmm. Implying like it's actually, you know, it's not that he's saying I want to have a lower standard. I want to have the higher standard of you're not running around putting your standards on everybody else because that's mm-hmm. actually actually harder than just following your own rules. Does but I mean, it, yeah, I, I think I think that is a theme. I think we see it. Again and again, I mean, it's even, I mean, the Good Samaritan passage is just before, and that has some similar dynamics to it. You know what I mean? It's the. It's a wow. helpful commentary for us today. Yeah. You yeah. Know, to, be, to, be, <laughs> to be mindful. Uh, it, it, Jesus, it's really interesting to me how, like, not ignoring actions but really narrowing in on issues of the heart. Yeah. Which I, is implied even in that structure that there's no, because I hear compassion when he says you're busy and distracted with much serving, mm-hmm. you know, I, I hear it as not, you shouldn't have been that, but that distraction, you know, has led you to now, now you've, in a way, it's almost like she crossed the line more in the judging of her sister than being busy with serving. Sure. Um, well, she was really free to serve, right? And I mean, true service is fine to be hidden. It's not asking something in return. It's not, yeah. you know, fighting for one's own rights. 
Um, although obviously there's time for those pieces, but if she was really there to serve, then it would have been a joy to just be hidden there. I'm giving space for my sister to have an intimate moment with the Messiah. What a gift. That's beautiful. But instead, right, she's like, nobody's paying attention to me. I need help. Kind of that martyr thing, which I I won't judge too quickly because I I can look that way. (laughs) Oh, man, yeah. The moment you, like, said that, all my my passions were stirred on Martha's side of that. (laughs) Which is why, again, it's important to actually encounter characters in Scripture as real people because that's how we – that's what – that's what I learned from Ignatius is because that's actually how you start to learn to see yourself as a real person and not, you know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. what did it stir for you? Can I ask you that? Like what? Yeah. Well, it was like, here's, here's the immediate thought. This thought that came through my head was, well, that's fine. Can we take turns? Like next time she comes, can I be at the feet? (laughs) Man, that's just where I want to live. Like my desires all toward Mary's space, sitting at the feet of the, of Jesus um, and listening to his word. I, the Peterson's translation there uh, really captured it. And I like sitting at the sitting, sitting with the masters what was sitting at the master's feet mm-hmm. or did it let's drop see. the feet? can't remember. 39 uh, ish. It's all right. If you don't have it, I'll get it. It's just a, uh... she had a sister, Mary, who sat before the master hanging sat on every word. He, Hang, Hang on every word he said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like, I mean, that's, a, that's a good dynamic equivalence of sitting before the feet of the Lord, listening to his word, right? That's, that's spot on, you know, I, uh, I love the way it's given. That's it's the given, point of the, the phrase. Yeah. It's given the two most valuable things she has to give her, her time yeah. and attention, right? Yeah. Really present. Right. But like, I mean, I love this story if I get to be Mary. <laughs> I, yeah. hate, I hate it if I'm Martha because it's like, why do I not get a turn to do that? Mm-hmm. Well, and I um, think, think Jesus is kind of I, – in this, I hear an invitation to yeah. say, look, the dishes don't matter. I don't need the figs today. We're good. You know, the floor needs swept. I don't – like, come be with me. I'm only here a little while, you know. Yeah, and in classic Jesus uh, – invitation style it's indirect you know it's not in your face Mm-mm. quit doing that come do this it's mm-hmm. hey look mm-hmm. you know yeah you're right you know what that that's an advantage by the way of not bringing in that johanine material where that character of martha gets filled out when you just look at this material in the context of luke i think when it when the story just hangs there that's the invitation that i hear and i'm realizing i've always heard it the other way, maybe overconditioned by the tradition, tradition of ancient medieval interpretation of like active and contemplative life associated with Martha and Mary. Sure. That I'm kind of trying to think through how to negotiate these different things. Whereas there could just be a, you know, implicit, subtle, you know, especially with the word choice in verse two, uh, mm-hmm. verse forty-two. Right? Mary has chosen the better thing, and it's just like that implies. This is a matter of free choice. What are that in? I hear in that maybe for the first time. I feel as I'm hearing you talk to kind of think like an implicit like, well, what are you going to choose? Right? Implied like, if you want to choose to serve, maybe that's okay, but don't get in her way. That was kind of the way I was putting it earlier. But mm-hmm. now I'm hearing, or maybe choose to do this. Um, the figs will keep. 
you know, I mean, if you've been hearing me, it'd be ironic if he was sitting there teaching about like the Sabbath uh, <laughs> and both the gift that Sabbath is, uh, but also the freedom to break the Sabbath. Because <laughs> who knows? Maybe she's rushing to get everything ready before, you know, Sabbath sundown, right? You can totally sure. picture it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, what we don't get is what. Have you heard me teach before? You're allowed to dip into the Sabbath. (laughs) Do that later, man. I'll I'll make all. Why why tell me to have Mary screw this up? You come sit down here. Let's have this time. And then we'll all get up and we'll all do the dishes together real quick later. You know, I mean, that's. Well, that's the. What interests me in is we don't know what happens next. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Very likely she could have been, really? You mean I don't need to do all this? Right? And maybe she just sat down too. You know, or maybe they had a conversation. She said, but really, shouldn't I be doing this? And I mean, who knows how that interaction played out? But uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't assume that it just, she just, you know, went back feeling yeah. shamed and kept going. And it, it, it either some shift happened there or it, it cooked and baked in her for a while, right? Of like, yeah, maybe I, maybe I am missing something, you know, maybe it was a moment for her. Yeah, and in classic gospel fashion, I mean, both in parables and in narratives that have a kind of pretty obvious parabolic intention, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. they're left open-ended. You know, we don't know what happens to the elder son. Does he change or not? In a way, like, mm-hmm. that's a distraction from the point of the story because yeah. it's directed to you, the listener. What are you going to do? Yeah, right? that's what I love about <laughs> it is it's like fill in the blank because it could go a lot of different ways. And the point is not necessarily what they did. It's, yeah, like you said, what will you do? Yeah. Well, I'm feeling super convicted because I know, man, I immediately <laughs> feel thinking like, well, someone has to do this, <laughs> you know? And now I can hear Jesus saying, really? <laughs> <laughs> and that actually goes to his line, which I feel like is in many ways the heart, might be the heart of the passage in terms of its, the conceptual heart, as it were. The last verse, there is one thing. It's necessary. I mean, that goes into mm-hmm. that because it is, isn't it that sense that there's necessities, mm-hmm. somebody has to do it, that's being directly challenged yeah. by him saying, no, only one thing really matters. Everything, and that goes with choice. Everything else is a matter of choice. Oh, that's good. Yeah, he's calling back. She's saying, this matters. This is important. He says, nope. One thing matters, and it's right here. And it's, and of course, it's, uh, he doesn't specify what the one thing is again in classic indirect. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the one thing could be just, it could just be him. I heard someone say that one time, the one thing that's, cause it is, it is actually a, it's a, it's a masculine word. Henos. It doesn't ha- which I mean, that doesn't have to mean anything. Greeks, every word has a gender. So it doesn't mean it's a person, mm-hmm. but it doesn't have to mean a thing. It's, you know, could one is necessary, you know, and it could just mean, I don't know. Jesus, right? mm-hmm. me being mm-hmm. here, you know, what that looks like is, is going to ha- take different forms for every person, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Ooh, look at the confidence of Jesus Okay, to, 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 you know, I'm mean, just putting myself there. And if I was in this really awkward, uncomfortable situation of, you know, the person I'm with, who's listening to me is being called out to go do dishes or whatnot to say, no, she's not going right? To say, it is (laughs) important that she is here with me right now. Thank you very much. Like, there's a boldness to that. I I, I can see myself sheepishly going, oh, well, okay, well, she needs to go, go, I'll I'll come help or, you know, some kind of, but to just stop. Nope. Mm -mm. 
right here's what's important. She's chosen it. It's not going to be taken. Yeah. That's a, that's a quiet Man. confidence. <laughs> yeah, it reminds me of, uh, so I've been kind of camping out with Martha. But as you mentioned that, there's a passage, I, I can't remember what chapter, and it doesn't really matter. Because like you said, you don't like it when people go over and look it up, right? But <laughs> but I do have it here. It's on my show. No, go for it. The, uh, I, did, I can't remember what chapter, but in Cloud of Knowing, you actually just had someone on your podcast not that long ago talking about this text, right? But mm-hmm. there's a long section here that talks about the Mary Martha thing. Yep. And at one point, and, and it's, he's, he's clearly speaking to kind of people who've made the Mary choice. You know, these are Carthusians who, who sort of have a radically contemplative life. And he has a, this really cool line at some point where he says, notice that Mary doesn't have a single line in this story. She doesn't defend herself, right? Let Jesus defend you. He said, if you're a contemplative and there are actives in the world judging you, interfering with you, pushing back on that choice. Don't do what they're doing, which is trying to defend (laughs) their existence. Let Jesus defend you. Your job is to just stay at the feet. Oh, Um, that's good. Which I think is helpful because earlier we were kind of calling out Martha, rightly so, I think, for, you know, and there was some gender language, two dudes here sitting. Why didn't, why doesn't the lady just be quiet in the kitchen? (laughs) Like, why is she complaining? And I think you're right, but that rule applies to Mary as well. Mm-hmm. Those who have made mm-hmm. this choice, don't say, don't uh, be too quick to let the boldness of Jesus, you know, take care of it. Because the fact is, is, you know, if Mary is really sitting at his feet and hanging on every word, mm-hmm. then if mm-hmm. Jesus would have chosen to turn and say, yeah, let's wrap this up and uh, let's go help Martha, then that's what mm-hmm. Mary should do, right? I mean, if you're really listening to his word, if his word says, all right, <laughs> enough study. <laughs> time for mm-hmm. some service right? mm-hmm. um, and that's helpful for me because I know that as a person who has made some choices about having a more contemplative life and which brings with it things that annoy uh, co-workers uh, <laughs> in terms of like my I'm not available all the time you can't just like get a hold of me anytime I, anytime you want I don't mm-hmm. you know check my email every 10 minutes um, I know you've made some similar choices um, how, do, how do you know that <laughs> well, you know me. <laughs> oh okay Polite, I was gonna, politely right? I was gonna say did I not respond to you <laughs> no no you told me I think I texted you and you said actually you know I'm trying to cut down on the phone stuff can you send me an email and then I'll get to it yeah yeah, yeah. I, I, I thought that was I totally respected that. Love that. Loved hearing some. I, finally, someone else in the world who talks like that. You mean I didn't disappoint you? No, no, yeah. <laughs> no. Because that's the thing, right? That if we that's cut the back these things, people are going to think ill of us, or right? Or disappoint them, and, and so occasionally, you know, but... if they are, to like let go of trying to defend mm-hmm. the choices I've made. Let Christ defend me. Yeah, that's know, your I find journey. That encouraging. Yeah, that's your journey. You're pro- don't project it onto me. <laughs> but it, yeah, you know that's. I'm glad you brought up that with the cloud of unknowing. It, it's so funny that here I did that interview and totally forgot that. Uh, I think it was James Catford who who'd said that. But I love this picture, and and I think it fits really well for people in ministry mm. of of being very very mindful of of when we. Uh, fight for our own rights when mm-hmm. we defend ourselves and when we let Jesus, like God, deal with people. Um, that, there's something that's really significant to me about that in ministry context. 
of um, no, you know, because you get beat up, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of part yeah. of the thing. And when is it? When is it that you need to just be quiet? And there's something deeper going on, and let let Jesus speak for you. And when do you need to speak? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like he says boldly, with compassion. I, I like Martha, dear Martha. That helps. Yeah, that's a sweetness, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, Martha. Martha, Martha is you know all that's in the original. But I think I can't help given my age to hear uh, Brady Bunch, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Like this kind of the repetition can be taken as a complaint, scolding, or yeah, yeah. yeah. Martha, here you go again. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, that's not how this reads. This is a sweetness, dear Martha. Oh, oh, honey. Yeah. Yeah. You're uh you're actually choosing to make that. You you're choosing to make that which is unnecessary necessary. Yeah. Process. Yeah. What is utterly necessary. Only one thing. Yeah. Is needful. Hanoste Estin Crea. It's just beautiful. It's so simple. One thing. Mm-hmm. Yet one thing is needful. Essential, I think, is how mm-hmm. Peterson mm-hmm. did it, right? Which mm-hmm. is, that's good. essential. I like that. Yeah. First um, things, first things first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then again, the phrasing, right? Mary has chosen the better part makes me even kind of think of like, so there's what's essential, and then there's different parts of that, you mm-hmm. know. And maybe mm-hmm. the, maybe I don't know if that's what he's saying. It's it's a hard it's a hard phrase to to execute for me, but. Sure. What, what Martha's we'll doing is not bad. It. What's that? What Martha's doing is not bad. It's a right, good thing. Right. It's a good yeah. thing. But maybe not yeah. the best. Uh, yeah. You know. But go, go ahead. And certainly not necessary. That's the, <laughs> like, I'm really feeling called out by the necessity of it, especially like with the impression management stuff you were talking about earlier, right? A lot of that has the anxiety of necessity, mm-hmm. but it's totally optional to care that much about what people think of me. Mm. It's optional. I can keep thinking about it if I want. I'll let you do it. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but even just, I'm, I'm, I'm getting, again, a typical philosopher, right? But I'm getting drawn in by the dynamic between what's what's necessary and what's chosen, right? Mm-hmm. In verse 42, right? There's one thing that's necessary, and then there's the choice of your portion of that mm-hmm. necessary thing, maybe. It's, it's mirroring to me that, you know, <laughs> seek first the kingdom, I mean, it's that kind of one thing, right? Yeah. And and the other things that are really important, they'll, they'll come in their time. Yeah. Sit at my feet, yeah. listen intently. We'll smile at each other. And, right? <laughs> you know, this... Yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, no, man. We're doing the same thing. We start and then we're like, oh, what's the other guy? <laughs> I want to give a good impression that I'm a good listener. <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm really just waiting for you to be quiet so I can talk about these wonderful yep. insights. <laughs> I actually, something. I, I have this practice that uh, uh, I keep a, a pad of paper by the bed, right? Mm-hmm. And, and a pencil. And um, when a thought comes, they always stuff comes in the middle of the night and most yeah. a lot of times I don't write it down because it's painful. I don't want to get up, but uh, uh, here's what I wrote last night actually that fits here. I don't remember uh, the thing I was stressing about, but I remember how miserable I felt. Now, 
<laughs> now let me oh man let me unpack that because here's here's my interpretation when I woke up this morning. Uh, now I'm reading this without sense. I don't know if this is <laughs> something I want to share just yet, but I'll. I'll uh, I don't necessarily remember the actual thing I was stressed over, worried about, or trying to get done, but I do remember how it took away from living life, being with kids and my spouse. I remember how much I didn't enjoy life, all because I took on too much, because I didn't say no. And then here's my prayer. Oh, God, please help me. (laughs) Yeah. Right. So these good things that I've made necessary or, you know, the demands of life and work and things that are important. And, and I let them, uh, or by saying yes to too many things, then by necessity, then I miss, I miss getting to be at the master's feet, huh? Yeah. What was that first line again that summed it all up last night? Uh, uh, oh, the first one. Yeah. I, I don't remember the the things I was stressing about. I remember how I felt, how awful I felt. Yeah, I remember. I just didn't enjoy life because I was so worried about trying to get that thing done that I couldn't get done. And I remember how I was out to eat with my kid, and I was thinking about that thing yeah. rather than being with this extremely important person. Yeah. And I don't remember what that thing was. I just remember I was distracted. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, one of the things that like a daily exam has kind of helped me see is noticing like patterns like that. Like I've noticed this consistent pattern and it was very convicting when I finally saw it, but then it was very helpful to lean out of it, not magically, but slowly (laughs) was to notice this pattern that I yell at my kids when my mind is elsewhere. That's the only time I do it. I, if I am home, not just in body, but in spirit, then I, I've been, a, I, I saw the argument coming between, you know, my son and my daughter, or I noticed, I, I can feel it coming, you know, I'm paying attention enough that when something that happens that would normally make me fly off the handle, I can, you know, it affects me. I'm not unaffected. It's not about sure. being like, disembodied, you know, minds, which is always know what to do, but it's, it's, I notice that I go like, you know what guys, I can see this is a problem. We're going to, you know, I, I'm able to, and it's like, mm-hmm. I used to just get real down on myself that I don't always do that. That mm-hmm. I oh, Just cut it out. Stop it. You know, I, I yell at him. I snap at him. Mm-hmm. And it was when I started realizing like, okay, it's when I like sit over in my chair and I'm replying to emails or I'm even in a book, but I'm not reading it. Uh, non-anxiously, but like trying to figure it out and I'm just not there. Mm -hmm. And then, and what I'm yelling at is not their misbehavior, although they are misbehaving again, it's like with Jesus, like behavior matters, but the misbehavior is not what's making me angry because sometimes I can totally deescalate and sometimes Mm -hmm. I totally make it worse. And there's a direct correlation is just the fact that I'm actually not mad at their misbehavior. Mm -hmm. I'm angry that they interrupted my flow of thought. That's what I'm angry about. <laughs> uh, you interrupted me from meditating on things I cannot control. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> or even worse, I'm sitting here reading a spiritual book. <laughs> oh, yeah, because I got a sermon to write or I got a class right. to teach. So right. it's but important. It's it matters. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> I right. had really interesting experience. So I uh, taught university for a dozen years and, and then left a couple years ago to take another job. 
And what I've noticed is all these little things that I really obsessed about and worried about, whether it's, you know, uh, things I had to do or relational pieces or, you know, situations like I left now and none of them matter. (laughs) (laughs) And like, it's over. Right. And it just is this, uh, I mean, I mean, maybe it's just so obvious, of course you leave a job. And so that, but um, I just like gave way too much of my uh, time and attention to things that were very, very temporal because it just, you know, I don't even remember what they were. And not that it was big things, but it was enough to keep me from not being present to those really, really important people. Or sitting at the master's feet. Yeah. Listening intently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's awesome, dude. Let's take uh, just a short break and we'll come back. Let's kind of give our listeners some thoughts about where they might take this. Welcome back to Fresh Text, and we're uh, looking at the Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 10, verses 38 through 42, this famous Mary Martha scene um, that Jesus comes to. So, um, yeah, so like just for the sake of our listeners uh, who might be maybe preaching or teaching on this text, I mean, there's a bunch of stuff that we've thrown out there, but uh, like, let's just uh, for the sake of argument, let's say one of, let's say you're preaching on this, uh, this coming Sunday, like uh, where would you, you know? Which, which of these themes would kind of be your angle, your, your focus, and, and maybe we'll uh, flesh that out a little bit. Where, where would you want to go to kind of get the heart of the sermon up and running? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's a good question. And, and, you know, so much of Sunday service and sermon talk is, is pastoral in terms of mm-hmm. who's in the chairs that have come. Yeah. And... You know, I find I, I often change talks based on trying to care and tend for people's needs in that room. So, right, that's why it's so important to know your congregation, yeah. <laughs> to know their stories and their their needs. Um, yeah, I mean, I could imagine. I mean, we, that that could be. I mean, half the time we end up just doing general homiletical advice on the pod anyway uh like one way to think of it is is an assessment question going into this sermon would be or as a teaching of any kind around this text would be say well am i speaking it is the spirit of martha or the spirit of mary operating here mm-hmm. not in a judgy way but in recognition because like i said from the cloud of unknowing like if you're talking like if i'm giving a talk on this text um, I just led a class, uh, like a retreat that was a course last week with the demon students, the same group that, that, that you came to be with in the fall. And like, if I was talking to them on like the first day, even just the same group on, on the day, on the yeah. first day, it would be all about, Hey, Martha, slow down, be here. Mm-hmm, right? mm-hmm, <laughs> but like mm-hmm. on Friday, it's probably more what cloud of unknowing is saying, Hey, you, you've tapped into this Mary thing. Now don't get real defensive about that. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. make your choice. And let Christ speak to the Marthas in your life that are trying to interfere, right? So that is two very different sermons, even the same people at a different stage right, on a week, right. yeah. let alone like, so anyone who's listening in, like if you feel like you have a congregation of a, people who've really started to make a certain kind of choice of sitting at Christ's feet, then it then it's a little bit more about don't let the Marthas, you know, haters mm-hmm. going to hate. <laughs> Martha's going to Martha. Don't, don't let this, Martha's don't let us throw you off. Because I got to admit, I get a lot of, 
a lot of questions from pastors who kind of come under the spell of the the spiritual formation uh, world, you know, of literature and stuff, which I'm happy mm. that they do. But then all their questions to me is like, how do I convince my uh, <laughs> family and my church that this is okay? Right. Well, first it's how can I get them to make the choice? And then, and then they get over that and realize, okay, it's my choice. I'm not trying. But even then it's like, mm. it's all about defending this thing and, <laughs> and selling. <laughs> Right. But then if you're speaking to a more Martha S crowd, then Mm -hmm, it's going to be a different sermon. Although I think the heart of the sermon is the same for me. It's 42. It's one thing is needful. Mm -hmm, Like I feel like so drawn to that. Mm -hmm. And that's a question. I mean, my wife often says like, whenever I, whenever we talk about sermons and I have her on the pod a lot too. And, and (laughs) I'll, I'll like, like I'm looking for like my thesis statement, typical theology professor, right? Like what's the conceptual idea that holds my sermon together, whether it's what I say or not, even if it's just in the back of my mind. Mm-hmm. And she's always like, well, what's the question? That's all she needs is Ooh. the question. That's what hangs a sermon together. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm taking a tip from her and saying, maybe, maybe the question is what in your life do you think is necessary? That isn't, <laughs> you know, what, I mean? or yeah. what, what mm-hmm. you know, what is the one necessary thing? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like a sermon could emerge out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. Just an idea. It reminds me of something I read recently where it was, uh, you know, write your top five goals for the year, right? Put put them in order and then look at the bottom three. Those are your greatest threats. (laughs) Whoa. Right? They're the greatest threats to the top two because you'll get focused on them and they're important and they're good, but they will keep you from accomplishing one and two. Well, and that's such a gift though, too, because there's this, there's, you know, there's your goals and then there's your vows, you could say, right? Mm. What are the commitments I've already made and that I'm called right. to be faithful to? Because it seems to me that like we often, because for me, I hear goals and I already am anxious, not even between the top and the little bottom, <laughs> but, <laughs> but like, um, but to, I tend to see the whole goal list as a threat to my vows, as it were. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But actually your message there of seeing three through five as threatening one and two also is what makes goals in general threat to my, to the things I want to be faithful to. Yeah. Um, here's how I'd see Because if I make sure the top two are happening, then there's going to be enough time to achieve those top two and to be faithful to the vows I've already made. Yeah. It's when I try to make sure everything gets accomplished because mm-hmm. usually that's when the sacrifice starts kicking in. I mean, my wife will regularly say to me, like, there are certain things that I'll take on that are more that she, like, I'll often ask her, like, oh, should I take this extra thing on? Right. And she is so, so good at knowing the stuff that gives me life and the stuff that drains me. Right. She just is very empathetic and perceptive of that. And she'll be like, oh yeah. Like if I get an opportunity to just like, preach on a weekend or like teach a Sunday school class. She's like, do it, do it, do it. Right. Like, cause like more of, cause again, it's like higher in the goals as it were, like, cause mm-hmm. that's the kind of stuff that tends to feed my soul. Mm-hmm. Whereas mm-hmm. she knows there's other stuff I can take on. I won't list that on air, but there are other things I can take on <laughs> that, you know, and it's not good, bad. It has to do with me and what drains me. She knows right. that stuff is going to be a threat mm-hmm. to my faithfulness, to my vow to the family. Mm-hmm. Um, it's cause it's not about, quantity busyness is not about quantity it's about state of mind and about rhythm when you when the rhythms are right you can actually do a lot and when the rhythms are off everything's a threat everything's right Right. Mm -hmm. 
I don't know. I might have taken it somewhere you were differently than what you were thinking of. But no, uh, no, it's yeah. super. It's actually super helpful. And maybe one way to frame it is that you know, on those top five, and, and I mean, you can. I guess it, it kind of call them whatever, but a goal of being faithful to my previous commitments. Top one. Maybe that's always the first goal is always the same every year. Yeah, maybe. And then, and then you get one other one to, you know, write a book, right? Or yeah, I mean, maybe there's a, but that, but it can't jeopardize that first one. And you know what? That comes back to one thing is necessary, right? And if I was faithful to my vows this year, it was a good year. Yeah. You know, that's a even good year. Book didn't get finished. Oh, um, well, yeah. And that's, and then it's stopped. It's moving away from a competitive way of thinking about my energy and the jealousy of other people that seem to have more time and energy. It shifts how we define success. Like, yeah. Cause I've had years where I've been very productive in terms of external things and I've been an utter failure in terms of <laughs> first, you know, caring attention to my own soul and you know presence before god and and loving those in my home well so did i succeed that year uh, youth may think i did yeah <laughs> but uh nope mm-hmm. yeah so at what cost yeah, right at what yeah cost? we'll count the cost yeah the uh it, coming back to ignatius who's come up a lot on this chat uh even the even at the beginning when we were talking about the these are real people kind of thing. I mean, it was Ignatius who first kind of taught me how to do that. And so I'm always kind of, uh, and it took me like going on like a monster 30 day retreat to finally like experience the text. That way. And I'm kind of jealous of people who seem to just kind of do it naturally. Cause they're just more, I don't know, human. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I'm an Enneagram five. So I'm all up in my head. Right. So like, I have to remember that like, Oh, there's emotions and flesh mm. and <laughs> desire. Sure. I mean, they're all in me, but I, I forget to pay attention. But uh, another thing, like in Ignatius spiritual exercises, like in the second week, there's all this stuff about the election, okay. uh, the choice, which fits even this passage, the choice to make. But he makes some very clear statements in there about vows that you've already taken, that you would be faithful to those in the choice that you make. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't kind of say you're starting from scratch here, right? The commitments you've already made, you've, you've, you've still made. So then the question mm-hmm. is how, because, you know, it was, he designed the exercise around the especially for new Jesuits who are coming in. So this was the moment of them choosing, are you actually going to take this mm-hmm. vow or not? Mm-hmm. If you've already taken a vow, we're not going to try to get you to take this new one. Mm-hmm. We're ask, how are you going to live differently in the midst of the vows you've already taken? Mm-hmm. And I bring mm-hmm. that up to just say that like, sometimes as ministers, we can get, and just as people <laughs> in general, we can get caught up in this new goal, to use your language, like this new thing that God placed on my heart. And he really did. But to trust that that's, always only you know number two to the <laughs> commitments that i've already made to god to be the kind of christian he wants me to be if i'm a husband or father those things any other vows i've taken like that fidelity would always come before fruitfulness you know anyway i don't know that's just me i got um, I, I liked your to-do list thing i, I would i'm gonna steal that and if I <laughs> preach on this sermon i'm gonna bring that up man <laughs> one thing is needful what is needful what's utterly necessary you know um are you faithful to the choices you know you've already made what are the new choices you're free to make you know mm-hmm. um and is it time to make a different choice and um, be and be like realistic yeah. I, do, I see it with you know we're all especially in spiritual life we get so heroic of, oh, i'm gonna do this this and that and uh i'll often say like 
do one thing, like focus on one practice this year, you know, yeah. like yeah. focus on prayer this year. Don't, you know, just like take something small and simple, set yourself up to, you know, yeah. to, to small succeed. and then specific because yeah. you can be vague mm-hmm. when you go big, mm-hmm. you know, I want to do all these things. I want to do a lot of them. Well, you're just setting yourself up for disappointment. A and B actually, no matter how good you do, if, if you make those choices vague, you'll, you'll always find a reason to either self-justify that you did them or be demoralized that you didn't, you know, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. you know, years ago, I had a friend say to me, mentor, deep, just special person in my life. I, I kept, so just struggling with like in meetings, especially, and just in general, but especially in like group meetings, committees and stuff, you work in university, you know how much of that's part of the job. And like, <laughs> and I keep just trying to like talk less and, and I talk too much, talk mm-hmm, too much. Mm-hmm. Just, and he had this wonderful say, it was just so freeing for me in my heart was to just say, yeah, stop trying to talk less. Like you'll never be satisfied if you do that, you know? And anyway, we like what you say, you know, it's not about talking less. He said, just, just try to be more interruptible. Mm-hmm. And that was so oh, mm-hmm. like, okay, like, yeah, talk, but let people in, you know, when you can see it in their face that they want to mm-hmm. jump in mm-hmm. uh, and notice when you interrupted and go back to the person, you know, like, and that was a practice I could actually lean into. That that seemed more yeah. real. Now, who knows? Maybe this recording will be evidence that I'm still a long way to go. But. No, I love it. You do that for a year. And then maybe next year, you're not ready to focus on talking less. You know? Mm. And you do that for a year. And then maybe it's time to focus on talking more. You know what I mean? Like right, It's like right. steps to this. And uh, Okay, I got... I, I, Small I, and specific. I want to, I want to, I've got, I want to give you my sermon answer. Okay. Okay. But but first, like, I'm going to butcher a quote um, by by Eugene Peterson, right? Uh, And it's something to, because I think it fits for pastors. It went something to this effect. If success in your church means failing as a parent or spouse, then you've already failed. Yeah. Not good. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, God bless them. I mean, I, I feel so sorry for um, pastors because the pressure to perform, to be relevant, to be, you know, building, growing constantly, right? Never enough. How many people do you, more, more, how big is should your church, more. I mean, it's just kind of nonstop. And um, at the state of those, you know, the cost is oftentimes their soul. Yeah. And and those that they love so dearly. And, and that doesn't just apply even to those who are married or have children. And yeah. even within that context, that's right. It's if if to succeed in ministry comes at the cost of failing as at the Christian life. <laughs> yeah. <right? laughs> then you've already failed, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I got another can I butcher another yeah. quote? It. <laughs> it was one of these. It was on one of these websites where they say, uh, "Wait, did I interrupt you?" I'm working on that Maybe. practice too. <laughs> <laughs> Jerk! <laughs> How rude! Oh, the uh, it was Nathan, dear Nathan, Nathan, <laughs> Nathan, dear Nathan. It, seriously, did I interrupt you? Were you in the middle? I don't even know. Okay, anymore. yeah, it's too late. I remember Sorry. the feeling. I remember the feeling, but I don't remember. <laughs> lost it was something to it was one of these sites where people can say things that they 
wish they could say or something like anonymously. Yeah. They tell their secrets in, in a good way. And it was something like, um, to my friend, I wish you, uh, loved God less and were a better friend or something to that yeah. effect. It was that like your life with God means you're an awful friend and you don't listen to yeah. me. And it just was so like, uh, I mean, there's context for all that, but the, the right. idea that, that it could, you know, keep you from <laughs> something really important in front of you by yeah. trying to, trying to be religious or whatnot. Okay. You're ready for my sermon? Yeah. Can you give it? Okay. And so since I get one shot for your listeners, I'm just, you know, given everything I've got. Okay. And the first thing I would, would do it particularly for me, and I'm, this people know this, but, um, is, uh, speaking as a neighbor love the, that this is, uh, uh, true service. And uh, asking that, right? How can I best love the people who have chosen to come and sit in those chairs? Um, as opposed to what's going to be flashy or funny or clever, you know, like what is truly going to be helpful um, and, and as, as an act of loving our neighbor. So in that, I got like um, different possibilities you could do on this. And then I'll tell you which one I, I would probably do. So you could do the whole martyr thing. Right. Mm -hmm. Because that's like rampant in the church in terms of people, especially those people who are serving that we pat on the back. Um, oftentimes there, um, will grow in their resentment and, uh, uh, sense of, uh, obligation and the heart is totally lost. Uh, and we reward that, right? If people say yes and they do all the things in the church, then, um, we, you know, give them praise when, when, when it may actually be really wrong for them. Mm. They may be missing the first thing yeah. by serving the church. So there's a lot you could do on, on, on that and being a martyr and, and how saying no is often, uh, you can say no and it be the most loving thing you can do. Mm-hmm. And that's right in this text, right? Jesus said no as a way yeah. of loving yeah. both of them, really. Um, so you go that route. You could go the whole doing route. That's so helpful for many people of just, you know, do more, do more. To what end? Well, just keep doing more. And uh, <laughs> it's just a total setup that just sucks the life out of people. So you go that route. Um, obviously, the, the, the Mary piece, the like what mattered and her kind of reckless abandonment to just here he is. Like, I, I don't want to miss out. Um, you could do the, go the piece of, you know, Jesus speaking truth with a sort of boldness and, mm. um, how, uh, you know, that can often come at a cost. And um, now that can get really twisted and people can justify um, treating people horribly with that kind of idea. But uh, that um, there is time when, uh, and sometimes very appropriate to say difficult things that people maybe don't want to hear as what's helpful for them. Uh, and then the last one of uh, defending yourself. Mm-hmm. That's, you could do a whole mess on that. Cause that right, isn't that all like our arguments yeah. with our spouses is or you know uh, we're defending ourselves. I, <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. want to be loving. I want to be right. <laughs> <You know>? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
Well, that's like five different sermons or one big sermon with five points. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, nah, we yeah, so it's that's five different I ones. Be, yeah. I love it. No, 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 throwing out. That's great. I th- I love. I had two random thoughts that I thought I'd throw at you. Well, first, three thoughts. First is the that that to do list thing that five and the three or your threat and even the mm-hmm. stuff about thousand all that. I could see that rolling into any of those sermons, right? Like that's just sure. really good. I, so you could uh, camp on this verse for a month. Yeah, Wouldn't yeah, that be fun. And uh, the your first one about martyr, it just hit me when you were saying that, um, and I didn't interrupt. Yay for me! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, the first, come on, let's the be first... honest. You did. You did. They just you just edited. It. Let's, <laughs> let's let's quit the impression management. <laughs> oh, and we cut it out in the edit, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah we have. No, exactly. uh, the, the, the first three, the first four letters of Martha and the first four letters of Martyr are the same letters. So oh. it, now that, that doesn't make a point, but in terms oh. of some visuals, though, in terms of like what's up on the screen or, you know, to kind of play on <laughs> the, the Martyr, Martha thing, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, you could. Yeah. You know what um, I do, John? What? Can I interrupt you? I, <laughs> I, I'm awful at this. I, I, I avoid, when I'm speaking, I totally avoid those kind of things because they, they seem too clever, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. You know? It's not me, but I mean, one's not the same, you know? Yeah. Um, this is why I like, uh, it's part of one of the many reasons I started this podcast. The, one of the selfish ones is, man, I hate preaching, but I love prepping. So like, I'm like, really? why don't I just prep for everybody else? <laughs> Like I like this part. This is the part I like. Then making the call like of how to do it yeah. is a lot of really hard. Again, probably impression management. Exactly. I am the exact opposite. Yeah. Oh gosh, exactly. Anyway, go ahead. Okay. No, that's Mark, great. That's Martha, fun. Martha. And so then, but what that does is then it helps me to just like I've it's this podcast helped me kind of freed up to kind of like throw out things that I know other people might do that I would never do in a sermon. Yeah, sure. <laughs> like the martyr Martha thing. I would never do that either. <laughs> Part of it is my sermons are never ready in time for me to coordinate with the art department to do anything. <laughs> it's still getting worked out that morning. So. No, it's when you it's when you take a. I mean, I don't want to judge people. No, I am judging people, and so you can call me out yeah. on it. It's it's when it's like you know four points, and they all happen to start with the letter N. Nah, nah, and, nah, nah. And then I go really like, isn't there a better word that isn't clever for me? Anyway, nah, this was more the image of like the martyr. The martyr syndrome. I can I can just see like my friends who work in design, and even my wife yeah. could totally write it in a way that it like looks like martyr and Martha look Ooh. like this. You know, with just l- using the coloring of the letters. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, just, or it could like it would morph right. into it, right? No, no, no. That's not a point that I would. I would never make a point about that. Oh, okay. Uh, if it's more, of, I could see the visual. I, I'm not a visual guy, but I could totally see someone running with that. I like that it. was what that mm-hmm. was. But having you know made fun of it was fun. Um, <laughs> No, no, no. You know, if you have four C's, then people say, well, there's this, there's confirmation and classification and then another C. That's a, it, People don't remember. It helps. Um, pe- I mean, but I know people do it to help people remember, but it just feels. Well, well, I've, I've read some. Like, this is free advice for preachers, man. Um, I, I've read a little bit about how actually alliteration, like the same matching letter, doesn't help the member. It helps the speaker remember. It doesn't help the listener remember it. Really? But acronyms are more helpful for people to remember. So if you have like an ABC. Or uh, it spells, I mean, that's cheesy, but, you know, you spell the word cat, people mm-hmm. will remember the, the C word, the A word, and the T word. Mm-hmm. But if you have like three Cs, they usually have three. Huh. So that's just a kind of, isn't that weird? Because if you're writing it, it helps you remember mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. Um, because you know it already. You're just trying to get a, you're trying to summarize a thought. You already know it. 
mm-hmm. but for the hearer, it's just three C's. So, uh, and it's usually, you know, every time it's like, they remember two of them and forget the third every time. Oh, another C. Right. Whereas if it's three different things, it's like, okay, C A T. Okay. The key, the C word, the A word, the T word. I don't know. I've just heard something. Like <laughs> the, 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 the brain the, science thing that one helps. One is that acronyms are better, are more hmm. helpful than alliteration. So I, well, it's what I've heard. I don't know if it's true, but. So let's, so you just make up like really random words, <laughs> that, you know. <laughs> M stands for martyr. A, no, no, no. That's not where I was going with that. Having, you know, insulted. <laughs> Our listeners, no, I'm just oh. I'd like to insult. I'd like. I'm Jesus. I'm going to be bold and call them out. <laughs> See, right? Then you can really abuse. Yeah, you got to be careful with right that one. Really <laughs> abuse it. Mm-hmm. It just occurred to me on your last one, though, the bit about the defense. It just occurred to me, and it connects to your second one about the boldness. Like, you really have three characters here, and you could center a sermon. Could men- mention all three. You see Martha defending herself, right? You s- and judging another. You see Mary letting herself be defended right and then you see jesus if you are going to be bold right do it to defend somebody else not yourself yes, right because yes. actually his response to martha could have because she had calls him out why are you letting her do this right mm. and sh- she has left me alone it's implicitly saying you're 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 you know what i mean mm-hmm. and he doesn't really like stick up for himself like hey i'm the lord i can ha- i can do whatever i want he mm-hmm. so I don't know. I, I feel like there's a lot to play with there that I didn't even see until you mentioned it. But um. oh man, John, that's so good because I mean we're very much, and part of it's in our kind of DNA as as Americans to you know stand up for our rights and fight, and that yeah. is just to me feels one of the uh, opposite things uh, from the Jesus life, like just like mm-hmm. backwards. Um, absolutely stand up, fight, be bold for someone else's rights. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. let God tend to yeah. yours. Yeah. Um, I was at a, a, a work at somewhere where the, the, well, I, I don't want to call people out, but I'm just gently call it out. So faculty was meeting and trying to decide how we can work this or that out. And I, and I thought, Hey, I have an idea. Why don't we see if we can uh, help the janitors? Yeah. Yeah. Get more pay. Why don't yeah. we focus on that this year and and not tend to our own? I, it didn't go over that very was a, well. I bet that was a turd in the punch. <laughs> 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 yeah. yeah. But that yeah. does feel like the Jesus way to me. And particularly yeah. for men. Because he is passionate for justice, mm-hmm. um, but not his own. Right? Yeah. yeah. Now, of course, there's time and place for. for yeah. All no, things, you but. can. Well, that's why one thing is needful is key because it's from that center in what is needful of following Christ and what he asks of us. Mm-hmm. Then out of that, you can make the discernment. Is this a time yeah. to stand up and speak out or is this a time to be silent? Yeah. That's that Ecclesiastes, a time to speak, time to be silent, time to fight, mm-hmm. time to make peace. How do you know which is which? <laughs> that's why we follow Jesus. That's why Jesus doesn't you know, just give us a list of things to do, but says, follow me. Right. Yeah, yeah. And if you follow me, we'll figure it out along the way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Take my yoke upon you. It'll fit. You uh-huh. know, go take a walk and we'll, we'll talk about it. Yeah. yeah I'll, I'll show you. Just listen. I'll show you. Well, thanks, man. We're over an hour, so I don't want to take up any more of your time, but I appreciate it so much. You being willing to take the time to, to hang out and Welcome. yeah. So, uh, so I say thank you to you, uh, Nate, for the time you gave and, uh, yeah. Do you have anything 
to plug anything you want to let people know about stuff going on at Renovare you want people to know about? I mean, there's the Renovare podcast. If you're not listening to that, I recommend it very highly. It's one of my faves and I'm not just saying that to yeah, make you feel good. <laughs> it's really good. You get great guests, a great conversation. Yeah. Thank um, you. The one with Ruth Haley Barton on, uh, on retreat from months back was really good, really helpful, really practical. Mm-hmm. And that's just one of many, just great, great things. Sure. But anything else other than Renovare podcast that you want people to know is coming up this summer or fall? Oh, that's a good question. I'm just totally drawing a blank. Um, that's all right, man. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do. I, it's um, thanks for mentioning the podcast. I, I really much enjoy doing it. It's, it's very helpful. Um, yeah, I mean, I think people can go to Renvari.org, figure out some things going on. Um, uh, I've written a couple books. That's worth mentioning. Yeah. Maybe. I am. Read them. What's your latest one? Uh, Making of an Ordinary Saint. Making My- of an Ordinary Saint. I'm sure your publisher would appreciate you mentioning mm. that. Subtitle. <laughs> <laughs> Subtitle. Um, uh, uh, oh, gosh. <laughs> My Journey from Frustration to Joy with the Spiritual Disciplines. Yeah. Nice subtitle. Um, it anyway. is, man. It's a fun book, dude. We read it in the oh, fall. that's right. With the Demon students and really appreciate it. It was really helpful, especially because most of them were already kind of pretty huge fans of your dad and spent a lot of years already with the, the uh, Celebration Discipline. So it was fun to kind of have someone tell their journey of you know, trying to <laughs> <laughs> live it and hate it. And then, <laughs> right. Here's really, how I screwed up with the spiritual disciplines. Really? <laughs> yeah. That was fun. Your students were great. I really enjoyed oh, thanks, being man. with them. Yeah, well, they appreciated you guys too. All right. Well, thanks so much, Nate. Thanks to uh, Eric Fisher, our producer, for all the great work he does, and to Tom Adamson for donating the uh, theme music and uh, yeah make sure to get the word around and like and subscribe us and review us and all that business on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast and uh, I always say at the end uh, have a good preach and a great week <laughs> <laughs> bye bye good